It's the Perry and Shauna podcast on the real life journey with you, reminding you that you are Abba's beloved child and that Jesus has called you into his massive mission to heal the world. 13 years ago, we packed up everything that we owned. At the time, we were living in Arizona because we had planted a church there. So we left our house that we had built (laughs) and the church that we had planted to move to Michigan. Now, this was far off foreign land to me. You have to understand I'm from SoCal. It's so green here. There's so many trees. There's so much space between. There's just so much wide open land. But isn't the green, excuse me, isn't the green beautiful? It is. It's absolutely beautiful. And it's just, we just don't have big trees like right up next to each other over and over and over again in California, in Southern California. Head up to Northern California and you're going to get some of that. But yeah, it's just very different for me. So I was super excited about this move. And let me tell you why. Our oldest daughter was heading into high school and we visited the schools here in preparation to move here. And I could just see how, oh my goodness. I mean, I want to go to high school here. This is perfect. You get the big football stadium. And I mean, we're excited about the education she was going to get and just the traditions that were coming out of. Thornapple Kellogg High School in Middleville and just very excited for her and all of the kids to go through that whole school system. I was like, this is good. This is such a good move for our kids. And then there was my husband who is from Michigan and was returning to Michigan. And I was like, man, this is so good for him. He gets to lead this established church that is, you know, made up of fellow Michiganders, right? Right. Like his people. He's back home. The tribe. Yeah. So I was excited for him. I was like, this is so great for him. But I remember there was one particular September day. So we moved here at the end of August and the kids had started off to school and my husband had started his new job and I was super excited for all of them, but they were off doing their thing now. And we were staying at this little cottage on Cobb Lake. And I remember sitting there just looking out at the water and I was like, God, thank you for knowing my kids and knowing my husband and loving them so well that you gave them exactly what they needed. I just really felt his love for them. And then I had the thought, I just don't see how this move is good for me. This place was totally foreign to me. It was totally unfamiliar. I didn't know my way around. I didn't know anybody. I didn't have anything to do. It took us a long time to get settled into our home. Seven weeks We were supposed to close on our house within two days of moving here. And it took seven weeks to close on our house. So I couldn't even like unpack stuff and get us settled in. So there I was alone sitting with the Lord. And I'm like, Lord, is it too much to ask if there would be something for me here in West Michigan? Because I just couldn't see it. It just wasn't visible for me. Yeah. But I asked if you would do something for me. So last week, fast forward now, last week I'm doing Lectio 365, which I I love this devotional, by the way. It's an app. It's free, and you can do it morning and night. But I was doing the morning devotional last week, and I want to share some of it with you. It was from Genesis 35, 1 through 26. It's where God tells Jacob, Return to Bethel, where I appeared to you when you were running from your brother Esau. Make your home there and build an altar for me. And Jacob told his family, like, load up, let's go and get rid of your foreign gods. We're heading back to Bethel. So the last time that Jacob was in Bethel, you have to understand he was running from his brother who was angry at him and he was afraid. And he was profoundly alone when he had this wrestling match with the Lord and the Lord made promises to him. And as Jacob returned to Bethel, now 
He's a prosperous man with this huge family. He's reunited with his brother. He's surrounded by family. And as God calls him back to this place of promise, Jacob realizes that each and every word that God spoke to him had actually happened. It had been fulfilled. And this is what the Lectio devotional said. It says, A future-oriented culture will always tell me to look ahead, to plan, to prepare, and to pray for what's coming. But a worship-driven lifestyle will often invite me to look back, to remember, to notice, to give thanks to God for all that he has done. What, what do you think would have happened if you would have done that 13 years ago? Because you still, you still hadn't moved into the things that God had planned for you. You know, in that moment, to, to look back and give thanks, hmm. how might that have shifted things? To see, are you saying like at the very beginning of landing here in Michigan, if, yeah. I, had, if I had thought through God's faithfulness in Arizona, God's faithfulness and the different locations we had been? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because you could see all the good things in the now for your husband, Dan, mm-hmm. and for your kids, but you couldn't see it for you. Right. But I just wonder if that could have shifted for you. I mean... We live and learn, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm and I may have done that at some point. I just very distinctly remember this particular afternoon, feeling like I can't. I get it. I can't see how this is gonna. This is just going to be hard for me, and it's just going to be a sacrifice. You know, that's how I felt. It's always going to be this way. It's always going to be good for them and not good for me. Mm-hmm. But I'm okay with that because I love my people and I want good things for them. It's kind of where I landed. Sure. But I remember just having this little tiny, almost like a flicker of a flame inside of me that was like, is it possible, God, that there could be something good for me too? A little flicker. A little flicker of something. Because it's easy for me to get focused on the future. And I don't even realize sometimes that I'm right in the middle of what I've been praying for. So fast forward now, 13 and a half years later, right? Wondering, going back to that moment and looking back and wondering if God had a plan for me. I mean, come on. It's just laughable now. So I didn't know then that I would be a part of the teaching team and I would have the opportunity to study God's word and share what I learned from God's word with other people. Oh, I didn't know then that I would have a podcast with my sister that we would, (laughs) thanks, that we would drop once a week, you know, Real Sisters, Real Talk, and that it would be such a formational part of my life in processing my faith with my sister and inviting other people to be a part of that. What a gift to be able to do that with your sister because you're on the same page, you're best friends, you both love the Lord. Hey, you should check out that, that podcast, Real Sisters, Real Talk. Yep. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find it. And I never would have thought that I'd be doing this with you today, Perry, that I would be on the radio. I, I have no experience in broadcasting. No, nothing in my life said to me, hey, at some point you might be on the radio. Right. Like never. Yeah. So God had a plan for me all along in so many ways. Right now I am in the middle of what I was praying for then. Mm-hmm. And you are too. You are too. If you take some time, we're coming to the end of the year, look back and reflect on what God has done for you. What are you living in right now that is actually an answer to a prayer that you prayed? Think back on the ways that God has been faithful to you. He is so faithful. And offer up a prayer of thanksgiving Him to Him today. Here's something I've learned in my journey, and it goes deep. And because I've learned it, I'm becoming more and more spiritually free. And it starts with this. 
Shame will keep you and me from experiencing freedom in Christ. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And part of knowing the truth is seeing who we really are on the inside. And that's hard to really look at, honestly, the ugly stuff. And when we own that ugly stuff, when we own it and admit it to God, he forgives and frees us because bringing sin into the light, the light of Jesus Mm -hmm. will always free us. But shame kept me from that freedom. I believed the lie of shame when I was really young, and I continued to believe it more and more. And shame began saying to me, what you've done wrong is who you are, and it's who you'll always be. There is no hope for you of forgiveness. That's the lie of shame. Mm -hmm. So shame says there's no hope of forgiveness, so I could never fully embrace the truth of my sinfulness because in my wrong way of thinking, it felt like I was admitting I was unforgivable. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it felt like uh, this is who I am. Yeah. It, it, if I have sinned, then this is my identity. Right. And I didn't know that that was deep down what I was believing. And so I'd really wrestle with the admission of sin because I didn't know I was believing that lie. Mm-hmm. And the enemy had really sown a deep seed in my life. Shame keeps us from admitting our sin because we think we're hopeless. And of course, we're not hopeless. And it wasn't until I began to see the lie of shame that I began to step into freedom. Shame had given me the false identity of hopeless. But wait, God's word says I'm loved, not hopeless. What was it for you that helped you to see the lie of shame or to recognize what was going on there? Because that's, that is huge. That's a, that's a huge life shift. Yeah, well, it's been a journey, but I'd have to say that, you know, when I was in my 30s and I began to realize how deeply I was relying on my feelings and not the truth of God's word, and shame is a massive emotion. Mm-hmm. You talk about big emotions. Yeah, it's the big dog of yeah, them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so when I started to realize, oh, that's that's a massive feeling. And there's a, there's a thought underneath every feeling. And so I, I was able to, with the help of a great counselor and, yeah, just the Holy Spirit and so many things, it's, it's a big story. But I was able to see that underneath that emotion of shame is a lie. Mm-hmm. That what you've done wrong is who you are, it's who you'll always be. You're hopelessly unforgivable. Mm-hmm. And so when I realized that that was the lie underneath the shame and began to replace it with truth, that's when that was the game changer. Mm. Really, that's, that's so good. I just heard, I just heard somebody talking about the difference between um, feeling your feelings, allowing your feelings to be present, mm-hmm. but taking away the right f- to act based on your feelings, mm-hmm. like like fully acknowledging everything that you feel and allowing those feelings to be present, but not a connecting them to action. So no. I could be angry. I could be fully angry, but that doesn't mean that I need to act angry towards you. Right, right. It's You, you don't want to stuff your feelings or ignore them or deny them. You do want to acknowledge them because they're little buddies. They're telling you something. You know, there's a message behind them, and you want to explore that, but never let 
feelings trump truth. Mm, yeah. That's good. So anyway, and my my identity began to shift to loved son of God. And the deeper I have gone into my true identity, the more I find I can bring the worst of myself to the Lord. And because I can bring my worst and know he won't turn me away, I know I'm his loved son. I'm becoming more and more free. It's good. It's taken a lifetime to get here. Yeah. And, and I haven't arrived. It's a big, it's a really big deal to be able to admit, hey, I blew it. I blew, I, I can relate, Perry, in this whole conversation, I can relate to my role as mom. And just like all I ever wanted to be was the best mom there ever was on the planet. And so now to look back and to see places where I failed as a mom, I wrestled with that big time. Mm. But it is a game changer. To There's, there's a freedom. <laughs> there just is a freedom, right? And recognizing, yeah, I really blew it in some areas. I really wish I could have done some things differently. But it didn't make me a bad mom that I blew it. Sure. Because it's not my identity. Sure. Your identity is beloved queen of the father, beloved daughter of God. And you're a beloved son of God. You're a beloved daughter of God. And when you come to the father, you know, that's your identity. He's your father. He's not going to turn you away. So the truth sets us free to own who we are and confess that and receive his love. As you're reading through scripture, you're going to find a lot of different references to sheep. And I get it because in the Bible, oftentimes when it refers to sheep, it's talking about you and me. And sheep are, they're fearful little creatures. They are so vulnerable. Without a shepherd, they're pretty defenseless on their own. I mean, they're not very smart and they'll follow another sheep right off a cliff. There's such a thing as a cast sheep. Mm -hmm. They will fall over and have their legs up, and they can't get up. Well, yeah, I mean, you just do the math on how they're built. It makes sense, right? Yeah, and the gases will build up and such, and they will die unless the shepherd gets to them and turns them over and, you know, gets the circulation going again. Yeah. But it's a real thing. Philip Keller, I think, has a great book on on sheep and shepherds and ties it to Psalm 23. Very cool. Yeah. Well, when the more that I understand about sheep, the more I don't want to associate with them. Like I don't want to, I don't want to uh, admit that I'm sheep-like in any way. And yet, yeah, I can be way more fearful and vulnerable than I care to admit to you. I just want to be a sheep. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be a sheep. <laughs> but last week, so talking about being fearful, um, vulnerable, last week I was wrestling all week with fear. And something was coming up. It had some bad history attached to it for me. And, yeah, I just felt like as I walked through the week, I felt fear gripping tighter and tighter on me. And so I was having conversations with God about it. It actually surfaced in a conversation I was having with God, I realized, oh, I think I have some PTSD going on right now. I'm journaling, I'm processing, I'm seeking wisdom from God, which he He gave to me, met me right where I was at. But all of a sudden, and I, I believe this was from him as well, all of a sudden it hit me, where is God in all the things I'm thinking about and all that I'm fearing? Where's God in all this? Because what I had done is I had allowed myself to really picture walking through what I was fearing without the most important aspect, which is God's presence with me. 
the fact that he was going to be there with me. I wasn't thinking about his presence with me. I was just thinking about somehow I'm going to have to make it through. Which brings up this whole thing of holidays can be hard. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Why is it that holidays bring up those, I don't know, those wounds, those traumas, those bad memories? It happens. I think it's different for different people, you know, depending on what the holiday looks like for you. But it can, if there's a negative memory associated with a specific day, a specific time, a specific place, then returning to that time, place, day can be a trigger. Mm -hmm. And that's what it was for me. Or it just takes you back to who you were and the junk that has happened in your life. It's like going back in time. So it might not even just be the holiday, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas. It might just be, I know for me, it just felt a lot of times like I'm going back in time to who I was. Mm, Right. Yeah. And for me, I was like, okay, I'm not who I was a year ago or two years ago or three years ago. So I'm not going to behave the same way that I have in the past. So I needed to have a little come to Jesus moment with myself to discuss with myself how I was going to handle the situation should it arise again, you know. But anyway, all of this to say, I was picturing it all without God with me. And Psalm 23, 4 reminds us that even though we walk through the darkest valley, we fear no evil because God is with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So when I I pictured it again, I pictured what I was fearing, but this time I remembered the good shepherd (laughs) that I am a sheep and that the good shepherd is with me. And I'm telling you, like my countenance changed, like I could breathe. Um, My shoulders kind of relax. Sometimes when I get tense, my shoulders, I wear them like earrings, you know, I feel them creeping up, 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 up with the tension. And it's like, oh, I just could relax and knowing I'm not going to walk through this alone. God's going to be right there with me. And he's totally for me. And he's completely capable of handling anything that shows up in this scenario. He's going to be with me no matter what. So when I picture, I think when we picture a future without God at all, we're not seeing our future correctly at all. I mean, that's just straight up a lie because God has promised, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. So if he's going to be with me, come what may, then I need to not be thinking about my future without him in it. He's going to be in it. Let me guarantee you, he is going to be in it with you. And we, we are, we are fearful little creatures and we do, we need protection. We need leadership, but listen to this. We have a good, good shepherd and he promises to be with us every moment of every day. When I was pregnant with my first child, I I studied the what to expect when you're expecting book. It was like my Bible and then the what to expect when you're expecting. And it was highlighted. It was dog-eared. It was underlined. All the things, right? There were action points. This is what I need to do. I'm shocked. Yeah, right. So I head into labor with my first child and I'm like, you know, grab the hair, put it in a ponytail, you know, let's do this thing. And I go into the hospital completely convinced I am going to do this and I am going to do this well. And I'm checking off the list, all the things that I need to do. And I'm, I'm, I'm just doing everything that I can and labor does not seem to be progressing. And I realized, (laughs) I realized that I was actually fighting what actually needed to happen. My body already knew how to 
have a baby and already knew that it was time, I just needed to relax and allow it to happen. And instead, I was fighting it to the nail every bit of the way. And I think so often in life, I'm fighting as if my life depends on it, as if I have to muscle this thing into being. I need to make it happen when I'm fighting a battle that is already won. You know what I mean? This reminds me of a Star Trek episode. Oh, does for it? For sure. My labor reminds you of a Star Trek episode. <laughs> but I'm not going to tell that story because it would ruin what you're saying. But it does remind me of a Star Trek episode because, you know, I mean, sci-fi is just so much my thing. Sure. But anyway, well, it's the, the Enterprise is getting stuck in this situation in space. And the more they, the more they gun it, you know, and try to get out of it, the more the ship starts collapsing on itself. But when they relax, it just flows right through that obstruction that they were in. It's the same concept. Okay. It is. And <laughs> crazy as this may sound, the encouragement here is, man, there was no way that I was going to not have a baby. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was inevitable. It was going to happen. I just needed to relax and trust the process. And I'm encouraging you this morning, whatever it is that you feel like you're fighting against or trying to force to make it happen, to trust God who has a beautiful plan and has his eyes on you and to rest in his sweet provision for you today. I hope Michigan beats Ohio State. Well, of course, Michigan did beat Ohio State, but that's how I felt before the game. I hoped Michigan would win in the sense of I really, 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 really want them to win but I don't know if they're going to. Did you represent, were you sporting all your Michigan gear? Yeah, yeah. Because at one point, like my son, I mean, we're talking socks, shorts, shirt, hat, like he's completely Michigan okay. out. And at one point I went downstairs to watch the game. It was near the end of the game and he's got a Michigan blanket. It's like a fleece blanket. And it was laid out on the couch and I like moved the blanket to sit down. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like the... The whole Michigan had to be completely represented. That's way beyond what I did. Okay. <laughs> but I did represent. And in fact, my feeling was that they were going to lose. I felt like we're just not going to do mm. this. Author Sally Lloyd-Jones says that in the Bible, hope is not, you know, I hope Michigan wins. Hope means being absolutely certain something will happen. That's biblical hope. Jonathan Edwards the great preacher from the 18th century said, there are three things we can hope in that we can be absolutely sure about if we belong to Jesus. The first is that God will turn even the bad things around for your good in the end. It may be the end of a season you're going through, but for sure when we see the face of Jesus, all the bad things will turn into beauty. Mm -hmm. And that is, that's mind-blowing that God is going to take all of the rotten things of this world, he's going to turn them into glory. The second is, your good things can't ever be taken away from you. And by this I mean that Jesus chose you to become like Christ. That can never be taken away from you. And that if God is for you, no one can be against you. And that you are more than a conqueror through Christ. And that nothing will ever separate you from his love. Those things 
will never, 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 never be taken away from you. Yeah. And the third thing that will never be taken away from you that you can be sure of and hold on to, it's this, the best things are yet to come. Mm. And I don't just mean heaven, I'm going there, but, you know, God says in his word, I know the plans I have for you. I know them. You don't. I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Earlier, Shauna was sharing about, you know, 13 years ago, you know, a lot of good things happening for her husband, for her kids, but not for her. And then God has just blessed you with so many things since those 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, things that I never would have seen come and I was sitting in a moment and I was reminded of that moment of feeling like, I kind of felt like a little bit of a martyr. You know what I mean? Like, I don't see how this is good for me in any way, but that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. It gets good for my husband. It's good for my kids. I will be the sacrifice, you know? I'm willing to fall on the sword for my family. Right. And even though it's going to be hard and there's nothing here for me and nothing could be further from the truth, God had really great plans for me, but there were things that I couldn't have even imagined. Yeah. I think of our friend Chris, who's had some massive disappointment in his life. And I, I know that God has good things ahead for Chris. A hundred percent. In his life. And for mm-hmm. Jody, who's been through some massive mm-hmm. disappointment. The best things are yet to come. This is sure. It doesn't mean that everything in your story right now is happy. It might be the saddest place in your life ever. But it means that God is making the story, his story of the world, he's making that story end with a happily ever after. Jesus Christ is coming. That's our great hope. When you read through the Bible, there's this this hope that just permeates the whole scriptures. And it's the hope of new heavens and new earth. Mm -hmm. That is our ultimate hope. And it, it doesn't mean that we don't get fully engaged in this life. It means we're more engaged in this life because of the hope that we have. The hope that is coming transforms our present and gives us the lift that we need to make it through the hard times. And so we're heading to the beginning of the true story, which no one on earth can tell, and in which every chapter is better than the one before. That's C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. Don't think I'm that eloquent. <laughs> Revelation 21, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will live with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Okay, so there's so much conversation about grace, about God's amazing grace. But the thing about grace, as amazing as it is, is that we don't get to experience grace until we know how much we did, how much we need it. In other words, we have to come face to face with our own failing. Mm-hmm. Because if you think you deserve grace, 
yeah. you are disqualified <laughs> from sure. being able to experience God's grace yeah. because it's a gift freely given that we absolutely do not deserve. So just the thought that I deserve grace disqualifies me from being able to receive it. Yeah. And it's it's hard to it's hard to come to that place to realize that I really do need grace. It's like the key to grace is humility. And if you don't have the humility, you you don't get to experience the grace. Yeah, there's this thing we believe as as Christians that is not popular. And it's even unpopular with Christians because it's part of what we need to admit. And it's this belief, this doctrine of original sin, hmm. that we were born sinners. Yes, image bearers, loved by God, but there's this poison in us, this arsenic in us. There's this malignant tumor in us that will kill us without divine intervention. And the best thing that's happened to me in my life is coming to the place where I really understand that and believe that. Now, do I embrace it as much as I should? No, but so much more. I can fully embrace that because there's a God who loves me. See, that humbles me Mm -hmm. to realize that. But there's a God who loves me and who will give me his grace, though I know I don't deserve it. And not, not to say that I don't have pride and sometimes I think I am deserving. So I'm not saying I'm all put together. I'm not all put together. I'm all in with Jesus, but I'm yep. not all put together. Yeah, and the beautiful thing about, about you know, our grace-extending, creative God is that that's who he is. It's not what he does, it's who he is. He's not going to stop being grace-giving, and he's not going to stop being creative. And so he's he's still making you and me new. He's making us new as we come alive to the truth of who he is. Thanks for letting Barry and Shauna walk the real-life journey with you. The content from the Barry and Shauna podcast comes from their live show, Barry and Shauna Mornings on 89.3 Moody Radio, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Reach out to us by texting 800-968-8930 and please subscribe.